Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. A British anti-Islam commentator gets arrested. The media claim that President Trump is out to get immigrant children. And Louis Farrakhan makes some weirdly pro-Trump noises. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Well, I hope you had a wonderful Memorial Day weekend. I hope you took a few moments out yesterday to pay tribute to our fallen troops who have died so that we can be here doing all sorts of fun things and exercising our American liberties. Um, But... I have a lot to get to today in the news. And before we get to any of that, I first want to say thanks to our sponsors over at Man Crates. Now, you've heard me talk about Man Crates before. Man Crates is the best gift a dude can get. Because here's the problem with Father's Day. Dad isn't going to tell you what to get him. And you're going to get him the same gift every year. It's going to be that crappy mug that you made at some sort of pottery shop. Well, don't do that. Instead, go over to Man Crates. Why, what, what exactly are Man Crates? Well, they are handpicked and packaged gifts for every type of dad. They have the knife-making kit for the hands-on dad or the whiskey appreciation kit for dads who like the finer things or just don't want to deal with you today. Most gifts ship in a sealed wooden crate with a crowbar, so you actually get to pry the man crate open with your manly muscles in front of everyone. When's the last time you gave your dad a gift He needed a crowbar to open. It is a thing for men. And with man crates, you're giving dad more than a gift. You're giving him a gift experience. It really is very cool. They have all sorts of different gifts. I have the poker set. One day I will make friends and then we'll play with the poker set that I got from man crates sometime in the future. It came in an ammo can. It really is super cool. Man crates come with a 100% satisfaction guarantee and get your special Father's Day discount today at mancrates.com slash Ben. It's a limited time offer only for Father's Day. Go today. That's mancrates.com slash Ben. Use that slash Ben so so they know we sent you. mancrates.com slash Ben. All right, so. There's a lot of news breaking today, but the big news over the weekend is one that is going oddly unnoticed by the mainstream media. That, of course, is the arrest of a, a alt-right, far-right activist named Tommy Robinson, who was reportedly jailed after filming outside of a child grooming trial in Britain. So Tommy Robinson's a very controversial figure. It's hard to figure out exactly where he stands. He's sort of on the fringes of the right. Uh, he was the ex-founder of the English Defense League. He's been arrested in the past for some violent run-ins with, with the police. Uh, he's been at rallies that involve anti-Semites, but now he is pro-Israel. Uh, so he's sort of all over the place a little bit. And he's made some comments that are actually particularly egregious in the past. He's blamed all Muslims for terrorists, for terrorist attacks, etc. But One thing that he's been doing lately, he's backed off of some of those comments, and one thing he's been doing lately is he's been going outside of these grooming trials in Britain. So for people who haven't been following this, there have been a series of scandals in Britain where it turns out that there were Muslim men, radical Muslims, religious Muslims, who were were apparently grooming young children to be essentially gang raped in a couple of locations in Britain. And these were largely covered up by the local police. We've talked about it a little bit on the show before. They were covered up by local police, uh, or at least they weren't fully investigated by local police. The press refused to cover them because they were afraid of the anti-Islamic backlash they were afraid would ensue. Well, here is what happened. This guy, Tommy Robinson, who again, is a kooky fellow. He's sort of Milo Yiannopoulos light. He was arrested and reportedly jailed on Friday after he filmed members of an alleged child grooming gang entering a court for trial. So he was standing outside and he was filming them. Apparently in Britain, you're not allowed to do this because they're afraid that it will bias the jurors if you actually film people outside. So here is video of him being arrested for literally standing outside of a court and holding a cell phone. 
content of what I'm streaming, I'm being arrested for breaching the peace. Are you being arrested for breaching the peace. You've all watched this. You've all watched this. You've all watched this. You've all watched this. Can you get me a solicitor? Can you get me a solicitor? Can you just turn off your life feed? Just turn off your life feed, please. Yeah? This is ridiculous, lads. Do you feel right what you're doing it? I haven't said a word. I, so, in fact, someone laid their hand and assaulted me outside court. Yeah, exactly. Other people have swore at me and threatened me about my mother. And here I am being arrested for saying nothing. I'm threatened to behead me. I've done me. nothing. No, I've said anything. So the judges in the past have arrested him before he was arrested, I think a year ago, in a similar case where he was filming outside of a courthouse in Leeds. He apparently went into the courthouse. In this case, he didn't even go inside the courthouse. The judge in that case said that Tommy Robinson could have been responsible for biasing the jurors. Now, think about this from an, an American perspective. The press are constantly going to courthouses and filming outside courthouses as defendants walk in. There were all sorts of pictures just last week of Harvey Weinstein walking into a police station, being arrested, walking out. There was no suggestion that all of the media who were reporting Harvey Weinstein's arrest were somehow contributing to an atmosphere of, say, anti-Semitism. Why? Because that's idiotic. It's insane to say that you can't report on trials. It's ridiculous to suggest that you can't say things that obviously are of public import in matters concerning in some cases, what appears to be a guarded culture of the police protecting certain people in order to prevent Islamophobia or whatever this is. Well, here is what gets even crazier about the story. So Tommy Robinson is arrested and then an order comes down from the court. Okay, it's now been reversed, but the original order from the court was you were not allowed to report on Tommy Robinson's arrest because if you reported on Tommy Robinson's arrest, then you'd be biasing the jurors in his case. Okay, well, if this doesn't sound like V for Vendetta kind of stuff, I don't know what does. This sort of weirdly dystopian nonsense where you can't report on a trial because it involves radical Muslims who are allegedly raping children. And then if you do report and you are arrested, then we can't report on your arrest because then that might bias the jurors in your case. So according to a source to talk to Fox News, they say that Tommy Robinson was jailed in Hull prison. The prison declined to comment to Fox News on whether Robinson was there. Leeds Crown Court also did not return a quest for information. According to The Independent, Robinson was already on a suspended sentence for contempt of court over a gang rape case in 2017. The judge in the case on Friday slapped a reporting ban on the case. Again, this is something that only happens in Britain. We don't have this sort of thing in the United States. There are bans on having reporters inside courtrooms sometimes. Sometimes they won't allow cameras in the courtroom. But there is no idea that you can't report on a case. Okay, in the United States, everyone can report on a case so long as the courtroom isn't closed and you can report what's going on outside the courtroom. Well, the judge in the case slapped a reporting ban on the case. The order bans reporters from reporting on a case if there is reason to believe the reporting could prejudice a trial. You understand how vague and insane that standard is? That if you believe the reporting could prejudice a trial, you can't report on it? Every report could possibly affect a trial. Every single report. Any report about anything going on in the world could theoretically impact a trial. It's one of the reasons why in the United States we often have jury sequestration, where in the OJ case, for example, you put up people at a particular hotel and then you cut out the cable so that presumably they're not supposed to get any sort of information from the outside. I have serious questions as to whether even that is constitutional, but at least in the United States, there's no ban on the reporting. There are restrictions on the jurors as to what they can see, but it isn't that CNN or MSNBC or Fox News can't report on a given trial. That's insane. So what happened? A bunch of news outlets in the UK removed their reporting from their websites to comply with the gag order. Most remaining reporting in the UK comments on Robinson's arrest, but not on his purported sentencing. Sources with knowledge of Robinson's case spoke on condition of anonymity, in part because of fear that they would then be arrested for contempt. Remember, this is the country of Magna Carta. This is the country of Edmund Burke. This is the country of John Locke. This is the country where liberty of speech, where liberty of thought was born. And now we are being told that you can't even report on cases in Britain, if it should bias people, if it should bias the jurors. 
One of these sources told Fox that Tommy Robinson's lawyer warned that considering the presence of Muslim gang members in prison, a 13-month sentence was tantamount to a death sentence. Tommy's lawyer said he will likely die in jail given his profile and previous credible threats. The judge basically said he doesn't care, the source said. He sentenced him to 13 months in prison. Well, we don't have that confirmed, but there's no way to confirm it because we can't report on it. So who knows what's been said at this point? It is certainly true that Tommy Robinson has had run-ins with Muslims before. He was jailed for a, for a brief period of time a few years back, and he lost all of his front teeth in a brawl, apparently, allegedly, with some Muslim prisoners. Okay, so it's good to know that Britain is really concerned with the values that bore Britain. Right? The, 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 the fascism, the, the fascism that, that Britain fought for decades, it hasn't won in any way. It's just that Britain is now voluntarily condemning its own citizens to be jailed for reporting on cases. And if you report on the report, then all of a sudden you're in even more trouble. But here's the good news. The good news is that Britain really has its priorities straight because at the same time, they're preventing Tommy Robinson from actually reporting on these cases and then preventing people from reporting on the Tommy Robinson case. At least Ireland has voted to go full ahead with with allowing abortion up to the 20th week. So there was a a massive there was a, a massive referendum passed two to one in Ireland to get rid of the country's abortion ban. So they had a ban on abortion that went all the way back to inception because there was a right to life, to conception. There was a right to life in the Irish constitution, right? So I think it was section eight, article eight uh, of, the, of the Irish constitution that says that there's a right to life that extends to the unborn. Well, that was done away with over the weekend uh, in a massive procession. Uh, the, the Irish people came out and they stood in front of, uh, they stood in front of the prime minister's office. And here's a picture of the Prime Minister of Ireland celebrating along with these thousands of people out there in the streets. It's just supposed to be amazing. He tweeted it out. Um, and uh, and what he said was that this was just an incredible crowd. He tweeted out, fantastic crowds at Dublin Castle. Remarkable day. A quiet revolution has taken place. A great act of democracy. So let's be straight about this. The great act of democracy is allowing the unborn to be killed in the womb. The great act of democracy is not protecting people reporting on trials. Okay, this is not, this is the end of Western civilization. I mean, this really is the suicide, the slow suicide of Western civilization. Western civilization, European civilization, the, the land on which individual rights were born, okay, those, those rights are now being killed piece by piece. They're being destroyed piece by piece. They're being carved up and buried piece by piece. You may not like Tommy Robinson. You may think he's a schmuck. I think he sort of is, but that doesn't make a difference. What the Tommy Robinson case shows you is that Europe's idea of its own rights They've been completely overturned. They've been completely overthrown. Instead, it's tolerance and multiculturalism and diversity that matters. It's protection of feelings, not protection of rights. The unborn, they can be killed en masse, and you will have hundreds of thousands of people in the streets celebrating. But if a guy gets arrested for covering a trial, there's only a couple of hundred protesters outside Parliament. That says something about the state of Western civilization, and it's not pretty. In other good news, at least the EU is proposing banning all sorts of plastic products. That's also deeply important. The EU has proposed banning plastic products like cotton buds, straws, stirs, and balloon sticks when alternatives are easily available in an attempt to reduce litter spoiling beaches and ocean beds. The European Commission said its proposal would seek to cut marine litter in half of the ten, for the 10 most prominent items and avoid environmental damage estimated at over $250 billion over the next dozen years. So it's good. The EU is right on top of this stuff. The EU can't prevent mass Muslim migration from the Middle East unvetted. They can't prevent that, but they can prevent you from using a drinking straw. So we know that their priorities are definitely in order over in Europe. There's nothing to worry about. It, it's amazing. Europe has seen this upswing and this real upsurge in right-wing sentiment. And it's reflected as this ultra-nationalist sentiment, a sentiment that makes me deeply uncomfortable, right? You're seeing a lot of far-right parties in places like Poland and Hungary that are suddenly beginning to see all sorts of support. You're seeing it in Britain as well. That is a reaction. It is a reaction. 
You don't like it. I don't like it. A lot of people don't like it. But to pretend that it is not a reaction to a left that has gone completely overboard in favor of transnational institutions destroying individual rights is to pretend that what is happening is not happening. And there are a bunch of people out there and their, their response to this shouldn't be sort of this ethno-nationalist, let's all get together and ban the foreigners kind of stuff. But what it should be is the only way we can protect individual rights is with a nationalism that suggests that we have something to stand for. And unfortunately, that's not what's happened. Instead, what you've gotten is the far left that's taken over the EU, which it always was going to, and has taken over government in Britain, which it apparently was always going to. And then you've seen a, a nationalist right in response. This is what makes American conservatism so different. There's no such thing as American conservatism in Europe. This is why whenever you have discussions about the Nazis, what people tend to say on the left is they say, well, they're a right-wing group. And people on the right will say, well, no, they're a left-wing group. And the truth is that by American standards, they're a left-wing group. Okay, The Nazis were a group of big government fascists who wanted the government controlling every aspect of American life, which sounds a lot more like the American left than like the American right. But in, but in Europe, the Nazis were right-wing because they were anti-communist. There is no such thing as an individual rights state primarily in Europe. It doesn't exist anymore. Britain was the closest thing to it, and Britain has overthrown that. Britain has thrown that out. America is the best of the rights regime that, that the Europeans were supposedly the originators of. And now the Europeans have decided to do away with that in the name of tolerance and diversity and multiculturalism. A few years back, it looked like the Europeans were finally going to rebel in the proper way against this. David Cameron gave a big speech about how multiculturalism was a giant fail. I mean, even Angela Merkel came out and said multiculturalism was a giant fail. But just because they said it publicly didn't mean they felt it privately or that they were going to implement policies that protected individual rights that only come from a particular civilization. One of the great lies that's been told by members of the international left, by a lot of folks in Europe, by a lot of folks on the American left, is that individual rights just inherently crop up, that they are self-evident, that they are not the products of any sort of civilization. And so you can get rid of all of the cultural hallmarks of a civilization. You can embrace multiculturalism, but keep the rights. That's not how it works. If you want to embrace multiculturalism, that means that you are inevitably going to be embracing cultures that do not value particularly the rights that you created. Okay, I have a little bit more on this, but first, I want to say thanks to our sponsors over at Ring. So Ring's mission is to make neighborhoods safer, and they are doing it every day because today over a million people use the amazing Ring video doorbell to help protect their homes. Ring knows home security begins at the front door. It does not end there. So now they are extending that same level of security to the rest of your home with Ring Floodlight Cam. We have Ring at our house, by the way. It is just great. It means that when I am 3,000 miles away, I can still check to see who's ringing the doorbell because a lot of burglaries happen in daytime. Somebody rings the doorbell, sees if you're home. If you're not, then they rob the place. Well, if they ring the doorbell, I can pick up no matter where I am. I can see who is there. And now Ring has the Ring Floodlight Cam. Just like Ring's amazing doorbell, Floodlight Cam is a motion-activated camera and floodlight. It connects right to your phone with HD video, two-way audio, lets you know the moment anyone steps on your property. So you can see them, you can talk to them, you can warn them, you can sound an alarm. It's really great. With Ring's Floodlight Cam, when things go bump in the night, you will immediately know what it is. So whether you're home or away, the Ring Floodlight Cam lets you keep an eye on your house. Ring Floodlight Cam offers the ultimate in-home security. Again, those high-visibility floodlights, powerful HD camera. With Ring, you're always at home. And right now, you can save up to 150 bucks off that Ring of Security Kit when you go to ring.com slash Ben. That's ring.com slash Ben. Again, ring.com slash Ben. When you use that slash Ben, you get 150 bucks off your Ring of Security Kit, and you also let them know that we sent you. Okay. The, the real question is, what sort of values must once again crop up in Europe to protect the rights that were born in Europe? And the answer is pride in a civilization. Not pride in ethnicity, not pride in the borders of a nation, not pride even in a quote-unquote common culture. The culture of liberty is the culture that should be instilled. 
Okay, the the Western Western civilization is considered a civilization because of its creed, and its creed was individual rights trumped communal rights. That didn't hold true in a lot of the European countries like France. The French Revolution versus the American Revolution. The American Revolution was about the individual over the community. If you read the Constitution of the United States, it talks about we the people instituting a government in order to protect our individual rights. And then there's a Bill of Rights that specifically applies to individuals. And then there's the French Declaration of the Rights of Man, which suggested the opposite. It suggested that communal rights trump the individual. It says that anytime an individual right comes into conflict with the community, the community wins. Well, Britain used to be very much against the French Revolution. Edmund Burke, who's the great expositor of conservatism embraced by so many conservatives today, Russell Kirk, great American author, wrote about the impact of Burke on American conservatism. And that's because what Edmund Burke said is that the French Revolution took all of the cultural hallmarks. They took church, they took religion, they took culture, they took history, and they threw all of them out in favor of this newfangled idea of rights. And what Edmund Burke said is that the rights that we currently have are a product of a civilization that goes back thousands of years. And to reject that premise is to reject the rights themselves. Well, Europe has now fallen under the, the French revolutionaries won. The French revolutionaries chopped off a lot of heads and it seemed like they'd fallen. But in the end, they won. Okay, in the end, the French won and the Burkean, the Burkean conservatism, the Lockean conservatism lost. Okay, Burke and Locke were both religious Christians and they were both believers that there had to be a culture, a civilization of liberty in order for liberty to mean anything. The French didn't believe that. They believe you could completely level everything and get rid of the entire culture. And instead, you can build up this system of rights, which in the end would be protected by a community and the community in the end would also be able to trump the individual. Well, Britain has fallen to that now. It is not a coincidence that as church attendance has declined in Britain, you've seen the rise of a multicultural ethos that ends in the arrest of British citizens for reporting on trials and gives the go-ahead to abortion. Okay, that is not a coincidence. You do need a certain foundation in order for that edifice of values to stand. And that edifice of values is obviously crumbling in Europe. And so you have to wonder, why did it crumble? And the answer is pretty obvious. I know it's not popular. I know a lot of people don't want to hear Maybe you ought to look at your church. Maybe you ought to look back to God. Maybe you ought to look back to founding values in the United States, which were reliant on the idea of providence, of divine eternal providence who provided for individual rights. I know that's uncomfortable stuff and people would prefer to, to go with all of these vague answers about rights existing in some sort of weird sphere without any sort of Judeo-Christian history to them. You get rid of the Judeo-Christian history, the rights go along with them. That's yeah, just the way that it works. And Europe is finding that out. Europe pretends that it can maintain the rights without maintaining the history. That just... It's not working. It's not working. And so you get yes, yes on abortion and no on covering trials in the same weekend in Great Britain, one time the, the only defender of civilization in the Western world. So it's, it's, it's really a sad thing. And uh, I think that it is, it is something deeply worth mourning. OK, meanwhile, I have to comment on something that happened over the weekend with uh, with with the left and immigration because it's, it's utterly insane. So over the weekend, the left decided that Donald Trump was solely responsible for the separation of parents from children at the border. So first, I want to set for you the legal standard, because you're hearing a lot of crap today. You're hearing a lot of nonsense today that is just not true. So what you're hearing today is that Donald Trump, evil President Trump, has decided in his nefarious fashion, because he hates Mexicans, because he thinks they're all rapists, that when people come to the border, that what he's going to do is he's going to take their children and rip them away from their parents, and he's going to send them to the salt mines or some such nonsense. Okay, the reality is that by law, by law, all detainees, all minor detainees in the United States must be re must be remanded out of custody to somebody else within 20 days. This has been the law in the United States for approximately the last 20 years, 21 years. There was a settlement in 1997. It's called the Flores Settlement. It happened under the auspices of President Bill Clinton. Okay, and in that settlement, 
it found, that settlement said, that unaccompanied minors, it was specifically about unaccompanied minors, and it said unaccompanied minors to the United States, people come to the United States and they are not accompanied by a parent, they cannot be held in detainment facilities. Instead, they have to be released to foster care or they have to be released to some sort of relative who we can track down. Okay, that was the Flora settlement in 1997. It did not apply to accompanied minors. So if a parent came with their kid, then there was no legal obligation under the 1997 Flores Agreement that you have to take the kid out of custody and give the kid to an uncle or an aunt. Instead, the kid could stay in custody with the parent until there was a settlement. Okay, this settlement took place in two, well, actually, until there was a, a yeah, it was, it, was, it was a piece of legislation in 2008, and then it was re-enshrined in 2016. The Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals ruled in 2016, in an opinion by Judge Hurwitz, okay, Andrew Hurwitz, they ruled that the settlement, the 1997 Settlements Agreement, did not only apply to unaccompanied minors, you couldn't hold them in custody, it also applied to accompanied minors. In other words, if I came with my four-year-old daughter and we were Mexican immigrants, illegal immigrants, we crossed the border illegally and I was arrested. Under the old law, we could be held together in custody because she's my four-year-old. Under the new law, under the settlement agreement, the idea was that my four-year-old daughter was not best off in custody with me. She was best off being remanded to Aunt Martha in, in Texaco, right? And then we're going to send and we're going to send Aunt Martha to wherever with the kid. Okay, that was the law. This is what it says in that in that court decision from the Ninth Circuit in 2016, quote, the panel held that the settlement unambiguously applies both to minors who are accompanied and unaccompanied by their parents. The panel held, however, the district court erred in interpreting the settlement to provide release rights to accompanying adults. So it didn't mean that you had to release the adult. Right. So this is what the Ninth Circuit ruled. The Ninth Circuit says you do not have to release the adults, but you do have to release the kids. Well, what that means, practically speaking, is that after 20 days, the kids have to be released. So if you want to arrest the adults, then the adults have to remain in custody and the kids have to be released. Is that Donald Trump's fault? No, that's been the law since before Donald Trump was president. It's been the law for a long time. It's been the, the law since Obama was president. And the 1997 Settlements Agreement was put into law 20 years ago. So why exactly are people saying that Donald Trump is the guy who's running around internment facilities, ripping children away from parents and handing them out to the nearest passersby? It's just not true. It's just not true. Now, what's more astonishing is all the members of the left who've decided to, to make an issue of this and decided that it really is all Trump's fault. So to show you this, okay, I just have to, I, I have to give you some of these tweets. So John Favreau, okay, one of the Pod Save America bros, John Favreau was a member of the Obama administration. He served in the Obama administration. There's a picture from 2014 that was going around of children in holding facilities. These children were unaccompanied minors and they were put in holding facilities in 2014. Now, you may recall 2014, who was president? Was it Trump? No, it was President Barack Obama. You remember that guy, right? He was annoying. You remember that guy? Well, that dude put all those kids in these holding facilities. John Favreau was working for the administration or did work for the administration. He tweeted out the 2014 photos as though Donald Trump had put these kids in the holding facilities. Here's what he tweeted, quote, look at these pictures. This is happening right now. And the only debate that matters is how we force our government to get these kids back to their families as fast as humanly possible. And it's not just John Favreau. Sean King tweeted the same thing. Linda Sarsour tweeted the same thing. They all tweeted out these pictures and they pretended that they were all from 2018 when they were all from 2014. Then they found out they were from 2014. A bunch of these people started deleting their tweets. So John Favreau got rid of his tweet because it turns out that it just wasn't true. All of which goes to show you that something weird has happened to members of the media. And I have more to talk about with regard to this weirdness in just one second. But first, I want to say thanks to our sponsors at Dollar Shave Club. So if you ever shower or brush your teeth or try to make your hair look presentable like you're a human, 
Well, you need to talk to my friends over at Dollar Shave Club. Dollar Shave Club delivers everything you need to look, feel, and smell your best. They have everything you need to get ready in the bathroom. You can clear out all that crap that's been lying on your counters. Instead, just get Dollar Shave Club products. It is better. Okay, Dollar Shave Club delivers everything you need. Okay, shampoo, conditioner, body wash, toothpaste, hair gel, even that wipe that leaves your butt feeling unbelievably clean, just wildly clean. They, they have this actually fantastic calming body cleanser. Now, you may think that, Shapiro, you don't seem like a calm guy. You should see me before I use the calming body cleanser, okay? Their amber and lavender ca- calming body cleanser, it's really excellent. It smells fantastic. All of Dollar Shave Club's products are made with top shelf ingredients that won't break your budget, and you will feel the difference. Plus, shipping is included with your membership. Here's a great way to try a bunch of Dollar Shave Club products. For just five bucks, you can get their daily essential starter set, and it comes with all of the aforementioned wonderful products, including their best razor, the six blade executive. Keep the blades coming for a few bucks more per month, and you add in shampoo, toothpaste, anything else you need for the bathroom. Check it all out at dollarshaveclub.com slash Ben. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash Ben. When you use that slash Ben, then you can get that amazing way to try it out for five bucks. You can get that daily essential starter set and try it out. Again, dollarshaveclub.com slash Ben. You're not going to regret it. It cleans out your bathroom and uh, all the products are just fantastic. So check it out. Dollarshaveclub.com slash Ben to let them know that we sent you. All right. So the media, something has gone wrong uh, in their minds. And I have proof of this. So Ivanka Trump, or she, she tweeted out uh, over the weekend, she tweeted out a picture of herself with her child because it was Memorial Day weekend. And she has really cute kids. And she tweeted out a picture of herself. It's a beautiful picture of her holding one of her children. And it says, my love, I love Sunday morning. Okay, and that's and it's, it's my love and I, hashtag Sunday morning. And it's a picture of her and one of her babies. And she's just looking in the baby's eyes. CNN decides that this is inappropriate. Ivanka Trump cannot tweet a picture of herself with her child, not while Donald Trump is ripping immigrant children away from their parents. No, he can't do that. And she can't do that. CNN actually did this. Okay, I'm not joking about this. CNN actually, for two minutes and 30 seconds, covered Ivanka Trump's tweet and suggested she was a bad person for tweeting out a picture unrelated of her and her child. It's insane. What's the timing of this tweet that is really generating so much criticism? Because it comes, like you mentioned, amid scrutiny of the administration's policies, letting the government separate children from their parents at the border. President Trump himself was tweeting about it over the weekend, describing it as a horrible law. Uh, And it's not the first time that Ivanka Trump has been accused of insensitivity on social media. Recall, for example, in January of last year, right after her father was inaugurated, she posted a picture of her and Jared Kushner in fancy black tie attire right after her father had signed that controversial travel ban. And there were chaos and protests erupting at airports all over the country. She weathered similar criticism. And once again, she's being accused of being out of touch. You have got to be kidding me. It's Memorial Day weekend. She tweets out a picture of her and her baby, and she's evil now? This really is... Do you remember in, in The Wrath of Khan? In The Wrath of Khan, uh, you know, one of, one of the famed great political movies of our time, there was a, there's a scene very early on where an earworm is put inside... Who is it? Chekhov, I think? Now they put an earworm in Chekhov's ear. And the idea is that this earworm essentially controls his brain. Donald Trump is the earworm. Okay, for some reason, he's the earworm in the brain of the media. And no matter what he does, wiggling around in there, the media just lose it. Because what in the world does this picture of Ivanka Trump and her beautiful kid have to do with immigrant kids being separated from their parents, a policy that has been in place in the United States since 2016 at the behest of the leftist Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals? What in the hell? What in the hell? And here's how amazing the media are. So you, know, the, you have all these fact-checking sites. You know, all these fact-checking sites like factcheck.org and PolitiFact. 
And half of their fact checks are just wrong. Half of their fact checks, they legitimately draw a conclusion that no one drew from an original statement. And then they say that it's half true or not half true based on whether it's a Democrat or Republican. You remember most famously, PolitiFact said that, that Barack Obama was not lying when he said they said it was half true. And he said, if you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. And then three years later, they labeled that same exact statement their lie of the year, Okay, which is because they're full of it because they're full of it. Well, factcheck.org is going after President Trump because President Trump suggests that, hey, it's not my fault that these kids are being separated from their parents, which is true. It's not his fault. It's not his fault. But here's what factcheck.org writes. Okay, neither the court settlement nor the 2008 law require the Trump administration to break up families. They require the government to release children from custody after a certain period of detainment. The government absolutely has the option to release the parents as well, said Sarah Pierce, a policy analyst in Migration Policy Institute. That's as long as they aren't a flight or safety risk. And then they say Trump is lying. So let me explain what that means. Okay, let me explain how stupid that is. Okay, the, what they are saying is that Donald Trump doesn't have to separate the parents and the children. Now, you might ask, Shapiro, you told us a few minutes ago that under the law, if you want to retain the parents, you do have to discharge the children somewhere else. Right, you do. So the left is claiming it's Trump's fault because he's arresting the parents. So if Trump really didn't want to separate the parents from the kids, he should just let them loose. He should just not detain them at all. Do you understand how insane this is? This is like complaining that children in the United States are being separated from felon parents because we arrest the felon parents. And you say, well, do you want the kids to go with? And they're like, no, but you could release the felon parents. The whole point is that Trump is enforcing the border now. Right? The only thing that Trump is doing differently than Obama is he's remanding more cases to custody than President Obama did. Obama was fine with letting illegal immigrants roam into the country, be briefly arrested, and then be released into the general population. Trump is not. But under the law, if he keeps the parents, he has to release the kids. Okay, now here's the thing. If Democrats wanted to solve this, they could solve this tomorrow. They could solve this tomorrow. They could change the law. And they could change the law to say that when illegal immigrants come into the country with the children, that there is an exception to this court ruling. They could overrule the judicial branch because the judicial branch is interpreting a settlement agreement. They're not interpreting a constitution. Okay, just legally speaking, when they say that the settlement says X, all the government has to do is pass a law saying that is not what the settlement says. The government, the, the settlement never said that. In fact, the government right now, the, the legislature could overrule the judiciary simply by taking away their capacity to review the situation. That is a, an ability of Congress under Article One of the Constitution is to limit federal jurisdiction. But they're not doing any of that. Instead, Democrats are complaining about all of this because it's more important to complain about all of this and pretend that Donald Trump is evil than it is to actually solve the problems for a lot of these kids. Okay, so in just a second, I want to talk a little bit about some more insanity from the left on this particular topic. First, I want to say thank you to our sponsors over at Genucell. So you have those bags under your eyes. So I get bags under my eyes when I do not sleep properly. And this is true for a lot of people. Bags and puffiness under the eyes, they're a problem for millions of American men and women. But there's something called Genucell Serum. It has plant stem cell technology from Chamonix. I've been using this serum since like my days doing a radio show in Seattle. So it's been four or five years. Susan from New Jersey writes, I've been using GenuCell for a couple of months. The puffiness around my eyes is gone. Even the crow's feet, small lines, they've disappeared. They haven't come back. I love the product. I use it under my eyes, around my cheekbones, on my eyelids. When it comes to our house, my mom actually creeps into the house and steals it and takes it home uh, to the great irritation of my wife. But GenuCell is fantastic. And again, I've been using it. It's great. And they have instant effects. So you see results in the first 12 hours or your money back or your money back. They guarantee it, right? So if you don't like it, just send it back. And for a limited time, you can order GenuCell and try Chamonix's brand new GenuCell eyelid lift for droopy, sagging eyelids absolutely free. Call 800-663-2904. That's 800-663-2904. Or visit GenuCell.com. That's G-E-N-U-C-E-L 
GenuCell.com, GenuCell.com. Call now and express shipping is also free. That's GenuCell.com, GenuCell.com or 800-663-2904, 800-663-2904. GenuCell is a really fantastic product. Chamonix makes great stuff. So go check them out right now. Okay, so how crazy are, are the media over all of this? It's not just that they're going after Ivanka Trump. April Ryan, you know, she's on CNN all the time because she's a political analyst over there. And she's always complaining about how she's being victimized by the Trump administration. Uh, she's also a reporter for American Urban Radio Networks, I believe. Well, she shared an article on her Twitter account on Sunday floating the idea that President Trump could be running a child sex trafficking ring. No joke. Okay, the, t- the article was titled, April Ryan, CNN contributor, tweets this out, quote, is the Trump administration running a child trafficking ring or nah? Follow me down the rabbit hole. Okay, so she tweets that out. Okay, why exactly would she tweet that out? Well, it was shared with 330,000 of her followers. And uh, Melania Trump's spokesperson, Stephanie Grisham, responded. She said, if you're a journalist with many followers at CNN Politics Contributor, is it okay to retreat any headline you want, regardless of whether it's true? Okay, a lot of other people were, were similarly upset about April Ryan's tweet. Now, I just want to point something out here. Pizzagate was fake. Okay, it wasn't a real thing. There was a Comet Ping Pong Pizza or whatever the hell that, that pizza shop was called in Washington, D.C. That was not actually running a, a child sex ring out of it. And people who were saying the Pizzagate was real were fooling you. Okay, And they were ripped by the media. The media said Pizzagate is fake. And the media were right. Pizzagate was not real. There was no evidence of a child sex trafficking ring being run out of a pizza shop in D.C. Donald Trump is not running a child sex trafficking ring. And yet April Ryan is not feeling that same kind of blowback. Weird, isn't that? Isn't that weird? She tweets out a piece suggesting that perhaps Donald Trump is running a child sex trafficking ring, the president of the United States, and nothing. Nothing. Right? Where's the blowback on April Ryan? There is no blowback on April Ryan. Why? Because everything is stupid and because the earworm that is Donald Trump has infected the brains of too many folks in the media. Okay, so I also want to talk about what's going on at Starbucks in just a second. But for that, you're going to have to go over to dailywire.com and subscribe. So for $9.99 a month, you can get a subscription to dailywire.com. It comes along with the rest of my show live, the rest of Andrew Clavin's show live, the rest of Michael Moles' execrable show live. You get all of those live when you just go over to dailywire.com for $9.99 a month. Also, by buying a subscription, you help support Michael Moles. And I know he's getting married uh, this upcoming week. And frankly, he needs the money because at a certain point, I'm going to fire him. So you may as well get your money in right now. So for $9.99 a month, you can get dailywire.com. Also for the annual subscription, $99 a year. It's cheaper than the monthly subscription. It also comes along with our fabled leftist tears hot or cold tumbler. It is so precious that I actually had to convert it to invisibility for purposes of this ad. I wasn't going to bring it non-cloaked with me on my journeys. It is right here. I know you can't see it, but it does have that capacity or so it is rumored. I can't guarantee that's how yours will work. That's how mine works. But in any case, you can get all of that when you go over to dailywire.com and subscribe or check us out later over at iTunes or YouTube. Please subscribe. Please leave us a review. It always helps. We are the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast in the nation. So meanwhile, today was the big day at Starbucks. It's the big day at Starbucks. Today, all racism in the United States ends. It's over. Congratulations. It's a, I know. You thought to yourself, but aren't there still racists out there? No, there aren't. They're all gone. You know how it happened? Starbucks shut down for three hours and talked about implicit bias. It was unbelievable. So you remember just a few weeks ago, there was a grave injustice that was done at a Starbucks in Philadelphia. A grave, horrific injustice. There are two black guys who went into a Starbucks in Philadelphia. And I had my listen, one, uh, several of my listeners go to that Starbucks. The person behind the counter, the manager, was a social justice warrior lady who corrects people's pronouns. But it turns out she is secretly a racist. How do we know she's secretly a racist? We know she's secretly a racist because they asked to use the restroom. And she said, just like I have been asked before, everyone, I, I know a lot of people have been asked, if you want to use the restroom, you got to buy something. 
Okay, they said no. And she said, okay. And they go and they sit down. They're sitting there for a while. She says, well, are you going to buy something? They said, no, we're waiting for someone. And she said, well, you probably need to buy something. And they said, no. And she said, well, if you, buy, if you don't buy something, I, I need to ask you to leave. They said, no. And she said, well, if you don't do that, I'm going to call the police. And they said, no. And then the police came. They said, well, if you just buy something, we don't have to arrest you. The guy said, no. Okay, and then they got arrested. Racism, right? Deep, abiding, horrific racism. Now, as I pointed out at the time, I believe there were six cameras in the Starbucks establishment, six of them. Okay, we still don't have tape of the entire exchange, so we don't actually know what happened. But let's assume that this woman was a, a descendant of Bull Connor and bred in her bones was hatred of black people. For some reason, it had never come out before in Philadelphia, which is like a, a very, very heavily black city. And this particular Starbucks apparently is in a location where there are a lot of black patrons. In any case, let's assume that the story is just as Good Morning America told it. It was a vicious instance of 1960s Woolworth counter type discrimination. Okay, so what, what did Starbucks decide to do? They decided we are going to shut down 8,000 of our stores for three hours, and we're going to give people all sorts of unconscious bias training. Now, the thing about unconscious bias is that it's stupid. The reason it's stupid is because un unconscious bias has no actual correlation with your behavior. So the suggestion of unconscious bias is you may not act racist, right? You may never have done anything racist. You may not think you're racist, but deep down inside that teeny weeny beating heart of yours lies the heart of a monster. Deep down in there, you hate black people, don't you? And even if you don't, even if you can't, even if you say no, I don't believe you because it's unconscious. So you don't, you wouldn't even, even if you hated black people, we wouldn't know about it. There's no way for us to know, but we do know because down deep in your soul, you hate black. So this is, this is the whole shtick about unconscious bias. So they give these implicit assessment bias tests, which are completely flawed. They are scientifically flawed. They're not duplicable. They're not repeatable. They make no sense. There is no correlation. Even the people who designed this, the implicit assessment test, the implicit bias assessment test, even those people say that these are not usable in real world situations. Doesn't matter. Starbucks decides they're going to mandate that nobody can get coffee for three hours so that we can pretend that we're doing something about deep abiding racism at Starbucks. So what is this really designed to do? Okay, so what it's really designed to do is prevent litigation against these major corporations. That's really what it's designed to do. So major corporations all over the country, places like Walmart and Target, have undertaken this useless diversity training to relieve such unconscious bias. So let me describe to you what these Starbucks baristas had to go through. Okay, quote, this is from Yahoo. Anti-bias sessions can incorporate personal reflections, explorations of feelings, and mental exercises, which is like push-ups, but for your brain. One expert says training of this kind can have the opposite effect if people feel judged. So it might make them more racist. So next time you go into Starbucks, maybe they'll be more racist. <laughs> Who knows? But we got to do the training, guys, because they say we have to. According to a video previewing the Starbucks training, there will be recorded remarks from Starbucks executives and rapper and activist Common. That's the important part. If Common says it, we all take it very seriously. I mean, it's common sense. From there, employees will move into a real and honest exploration of bias, where in small groups, they can share how the issue comes up in their daily work life. Then they get out finger paints, and they all paint with each other. It's really fun, and then they do trust falls. And then at the end of that, racism has been abolished in the United States. Now, there's no data any of this works. Hey, Andrew Ferguson writes at the Weekly Standard, quote, most recently, the Harvard psychologist Frank Dobbin had counted his way through more than 800 mid-sized and large U.S. companies that had made diversity training mandatory as Starbucks is doing. Over a five-year period, he found no increase in the percentage of managers who were women or minorities. In fact, the number of black female managers declined more than 9%. That of Asian men, 4.5%. But that data doesn't actually mean anything because data doesn't mean anything in these conversations. You can't even ask for the freaking tape of these, of these actual events. You just have to assume that racism is widespread, unconscious, deeply embedded in our, in our DNA, as President Obama 
used to say. And then we're going to train it out of you. We're going to train it out of you by paying hundreds of thousands of dollars to people with no degree in anything who call themselves diversity trainers. That's how we're going to fix this. Now, why do all these corporations do this? Because when they're class action lawsuits, it can cost them a billion dollars if they lose. So instead, they create a settlement with all of these race baiters and they say, okay, we will spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on diversity training. And next time there's some sort of litigation against us, we go in front of the judge and we say, listen, if we were really racist, would we have done diversity training? Seriously, this is what they do. This is actually part of the policy. It is a litigation strategy by attorneys to prevent litigation against these major companies because then they can say, listen, that racist thing that person did, outside scope of agency. They weren't our agent. They weren't our messengers when they were doing that. They were doing it on their own because they're just bad people. We're not bad people. We do diversity training. We listen to Common. And man, we love Common. Common is awesome. And that means that no one here is racist. It's a, If you think that Starbucks became one iota less racist, if you thought they were racist in the first place, which I do not, but if you think they become one iota less racist because they took three hours out from making coffee to talk with each other about racism, you're out of your mind. You're out of your mind. But again, this is all a scam. It was meant to be a scam. They're barely even hiding the ball on this one. Okay, meanwhile, going through some of the other news of the day, I want to make a quick point here. So th there's been a lot of talk in the last uh, in the last few days about Louis Farrakhan. So Louis Farrakhan, uh, who is legitimately one of the worst human beings in the United States, just an awful, awful human being, uh, leader of the nation of Islam, rabid anti-Semite, rabid racist, just a piece of human dreck. So Louis Farrakhan, was on a radio show and he was talking about President Trump and Candace Owens tweeted out that something is happening because Louis Farrakhan obviously is more warm toward President, uh, more warm toward President Trump. Now, this is not me getting on Candace Owens. Okay, Candace can have her own opinion on this stuff, but I do not think that this is, that Louis Farrakhan is saying he's going to vote for President Trump. And if he did, I don't think it would behoove President Trump to take his support since, as I say, Louis Farrakhan is a piece of human dreck. Here is Louis Farrakhan supposedly supporting President Trump. Trump is destroying every enemy that was an enemy of our rise. Mm. Who's the enemy of our rise? Is it the Department of Justice where we get none? Is it Congress where you make a law that favors us and then you turn around and destroy it? Okay, so I, I, here's what I would say about this. If, if Louis Farrakhan is siding with Donald Trump, it should make you think about some of Trump's policies. If, if Louis Farrakhan were honest. Now, I don't think Louis Farrakhan is honest. I think, as I say, He's a horrible human. But what he's really saying here is that he likes that Trump is going after the DOJ and the FBI. And he likes that because Louis Farrakhan is sort of in favor of many criminals. So, that, so I'm not really sure why exactly people would be celebrating that in any serious way. Well, in other news, Tesla founder Elon Musk has now been accused of being mean to the media, which is a crime in the United States, as we all know. So last week, Elon Musk, who founded Tesla and SpaceX, and he does some pretty cool stuff, although I will acknowledge I'm not a big fan of the giant, giant, giant government subsidies he receives. Uh, he tweeted out that the holier-than-thou hypocrisy of big media companies who lay claim to the truth but publish only enough to sugarcoat the lie is why the public no longer respects them, which is true. And then somebody tweeted back at him that he's, uh, that he's like a Trump figure. He said, thought you'd say that. Anytime anyone criticizes the media, the media shrieks, you're just like Trump. Why do you think he got elected in the first place? Because no one believes you anymore. You lost your credibility a long time ago. So Elon Musk has been taken to task by a bunch of people in the media. How dare Elon Musk attack the media? The most obvious and stupid piece came courtesy of a woman named Erin Biba at the Daily Beast. Okay, so she attacked Musk because she tweeted at him, a billionaire with massive power lashed out at two of the most under attack industries in the country, journalism and science. Both are essential for democracy. First of all, journalism is not an under attack institution in the United States. 
And just because people say they don't trust the media doesn't mean that journalism is under attack. There's no legislation against journalism. There's no attempt to quash journalism, thank God. That's good. And then she says, Elon Musk is an irresponsible person who doesn't seem to realize or care about the damage he is doing. Our love affair with billionaires needs to end. And that, that last sentence doesn't really seem to follow because there are lots of different billionaires in lots of different industries. So Musk tweeted back, quote, I've never attacked science. Definitely attacked misleading journalism like yours, though. And then people sent mean tweets to this lady, and she proceeded to write a full-on piece about how Elon Musk was mean to her. And here's what she wrote. Musk's tweet turned into a singularity of hate against currently targeted institutions in our country. The Musk bros had a lot of opinions about me being a woman criticizing their hero. And the MAGAs that were thrilled that someone with such a big following was on their side against science and journalism. So in other words, he says the media is full of it. She says, how dare you attack the media? He says, you're full of it. And then she proves that she's full of it. That's basically how that, that little colloquy just went. And then she took out a bunch of people from Twitter who have like 10 followers and blamed them on Elon Musk, which is the new tactic of a lot of folks on the left. It's really irritating. This tactic where they suggest that if you have millions of followers as Musk has, or if I have, or as many other people have, and one of those followers, several of those followers do something terrible, that's somehow our fault. No. Okay. If you don't like what Musk says, attack what Musk says. Don't attack Musk for what his followers say when he obviously didn't attempt to push them to do any of this sort of stuff. But the media are no longer for the truth. There are too many members of the media who are no longer for the truth. They're more interested in propping up their own perception of, of self-worth. And a lot of that has to do with this feeling that we are firefighters and we cannot be attacked. And they accuse President Trump of having a thin skin or conservatives of having a thin skin. Nobody has thinner skin than some of the members of the mainstream media. It's truly astonishing. Okay. Time for a couple of things that I like and then some things that I hate. So things that I like today, I have been starting a new series on Netflix. I know not the Michelle What's-Her-Face Wolf series, not, not, her, not her foolish attempts to do Weekend Update. I, I haven't started that yet. I'll probably, I'll probably watch some of that tonight so I can put it in things I hate. I'm, maybe I'll love it. Maybe I will. I don't want to prejudge it. I have a feeling it's going to suck. But in other things that I like, there's a, a show called Babylon Berlin that's really good. It's, it's a German series. It's the most expensive series ever made in Germany. And it takes place during the, la the, the latter days of the Weimar Republic. And it doesn't really make any, like it makes a very oblique reference to Hitler, but it makes very few references to the Nazis or Hitler. It is just sort of, here's the milieu. So it gives you the communist uprising that's happening. And it gives you the roots of Nazi rage in Germany. And it gives you all of this against the backdrop of basically a crime show, an investigation of a crime that ties together all of these disparate strands. Here's a little bit of the preview from Netflix. The show's Babylon Berlin. Darian Rath from Cologne. I have been told that our mutual friend is doing business on the side. He's ambitious, dogged, a ferret. I'll deal with it. What happened? Can you hear me? So the production values on this thing are really, really high. You know, obviously the preview's in English, but it's dubbed. So if I were you, I would watch it in the original German with the subtitles. I just think it's it's less irritating and less distracting. Um, but the show is, uh, I'm, I'm three episodes in. It's quite good. I'll, uh, I'll keep you updated. If it, if it turns around and stinks, then you'll hear about it. But so far, so good. Okay, other things. Okay, time, you know what? Let's do some things I hate. So things that I hate. So today, there were a bunch of rockets, uh, mortars that were fired into Israel. Apparently, 50-odd mortars fired into southern Israel 
Uh, there are uh, two terrorists who attempted to cut the border from the Gaza Strip into Israel with bolt cutters to get into Israel and murder children in their beds because this is what Hamas terrorists do. And Israel has been bombing the Gaza Strip. So naturally, all of the media coverage has been Israel bombs Gaza Strip. Very little of the media coverage has been about the fact that Hamas precipitated it by literally putting hundreds of thousands of people into bunkers, right? They forced hundreds of thousands of people into bunkers in southern Israel, and then they hit a kindergartner, a kindergarten with, with mortars. Uh, one of the mortars directly hit a kindergarten. Uh, there were no kids in it, thank God. But uh, this, this is just a, a reminder. Hamas is a terrorist group. Islamic Jihad is a terrorist group. What happened at the Gaza border two weeks ago was a terrorist activity. Okay? And, and so here's my mock headline for the media. Peaceful Palestinian terrorists fire peaceful mortars at Jewish kindergarten, attempt peaceful murderous border breaches against Israel. Because they're all peaceful, don't you know? Right? Hamas is peaceful. Islamic Jihad is peaceful. It's been so irritating watching the media cover all this stuff when they are being eminently and obviously dishonest about all of it. No wonder so many like Elon Musk are looking at the media and saying, you guys don't know what the hell you are doing. And meanwhile, other things that I hate. So this was pretty terrible. Yesterday, uh, Chelsea Manning tweeted out pictures of himself on top of a building. So Chelsea Manning, formerly Bradley Manning, Traitor to the United States, but released thanks to a thanks to a commutation of sentence. Did he get fully pardoned by by Obama? I believe he was. I think his sentence was commuted. He wasn't fully pardoned, uh, but he tweeted out a picture of a t- from the top of a building and tweeted, "I'm sorry, I tried." Uh, and uh, it, basically, a suicide note, as it appeared on Twitter. And the and you know, Chelsea Manning, I hope really, really does get some help. You know, Chelsea Manning is still as much as I, I despise what Chelsea Manning did as far as being a traitor. Uh, and as much as I disagree with Chelsea Manning about politics, if you need help, get help. Like if you need help, get help. Suicide is not the answer, even for people with whom I disagree politically. Okay, we were we're all children of God, even people who I think have done despicable things in the past. Chelsea Manning apparently is getting help, so thank God for that. Um, but we all ought to be praying for people who are under the suicidal impulse, because uh, obviously that's something very dark. Okay, time for a final thing that I hate. So President Trump. Um, you know, he celebrated Memorial Day yesterday in a couple of ways. One was good, one was bad. It was ultimate good Trump, bad Trump. So good Trump was, he he gave a speech all about Memorial Day. Uh, he put up some clips from that speech. I believe it was in front of a, a, a naval grad audience. Uh, and he uh, he put up some clips of that on Twitter. That was great. Then he also put up this tweet, which was not so great. So he tweeted out, happy Memorial Day. Those who died for our great country would be very happy and proud at how well our country is doing today. Best economy in decades, lowest unemployment numbers for blacks and Hispanics ever, and women in 18 years, rebuilding our military, and so much more. Nice. <sighs> no. Wrong. You did it wrong, Mr. President. This is not a good tweet. Okay. Barack Obama had a really bad habit. His bad habit was no matter what was happening in the world, it was Memorial Day, he would then tweet out a picture of himself, like at a Memorial Day ceremony. He wouldn't tweet out pictures of soldiers or something. He would tweet out pictures of him because Barack Obama was the most important person in the universe. Well, Donald Trump seems to be following in those footsteps, except worse in this particular tweet. The idea that these troops would be very happy and proud how well our country is doing today because he's done such a great job in office. So that all of these slain troops would be big fans. Like That's not what the day is for. And I think that he realized that later and then tweeted out some more appropriate feelings. But this is why when, when some people like me say he might want to cut back on the Twitter, this is an example of why the president might want to cut back on the Twitter, because let's be real about this. If this had been Hillary Clinton tweeting this out, I would be all over that. Right? I would be screaming at her. I would have spent 15 minutes on the show about that. OK, the, what Donald Trump did in this tweet uh, is really quite gross. You, you are not allowed to tout your own accomplishments in office in a tweet honoring slain soldiers. That's just not something you can do. It's not something that is appropriate. It's not something that is decent. And that tweet is not appropriate or decent. Again, he put out another tweet that was quite appropriate and quite decent, but this one was not. Okay, so we'll be back here tomorrow with all of the latest. A top North Korean official 
is apparently visiting the United States. We'll have all the updates on what goes on there. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Senya Villarreal. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. And our technical producer is Austin Stevens. Edited by Alex Zingaro. Audio is mixed by Mike Caramina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Alvera. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire Ford Publishing production. Copyright Ford Publishing 2018. We'll get to more on this in just one second first. Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. 